All right, you may be seated. That was good singing today, guys. Good job by everyone praising our Lord and Savior. So thank you for that. It was an encouragement to me. Uh, I have to confess. So this this morning before the service, uh, the elders and different folks that are involved with the service always always get together to pray in this this conference room back here. And Art Gott, one of our elders, was was praying. He was praying for me as I was going to get up here and give this sermon and said, you know, just pray that none of the distractions of this world would, would weigh on Brent. And uh, after the prayer, I said, Art, you know, normally that's a prayer of like, oh man, you know, I've got this to do in my life. I've got this to do in my life. The distraction for me this morning is the Tennessee Vols. So I'm repenting of my love of the Tennessee Vols, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to move on from that now. So uh, we are here in the fifth week of a Sabbath sermon series at Byfield. And as I prepared this week, I was thinking about times in my life when I have most desperately wanted to rest. I remember when my kids were newborns and, and Anne was doing the majority of the work there, but I remember there being times that I was so tired, I felt nauseous, you know, like I would just move through the day feeling nauseous because of lack of sleep. And I remember other times in my life where I've gone backpacking and you know, you're hiking along, you've got this 50 pound pack on, and you just want so badly to to set that burden down after miles on a trail. But one memory of tiredness sticks out in particular when I think back over my life. The most tired I've ever been took place my sophomore year of college. Some friends and I, it was spring break, we went down to Clearwater Beach, Florida. We hung out, we had a good time for the first part of the week. And then three of us for the second part of the week we were going to go work for this industrial flooring company that we had been working for. The most difficult part of that job was our responsibility was carrying these 50 pound buckets of material to where, from where the mixer was to where this material was actually going to be laid down on the floor. So my friends and I, we drove 12 hours overnight from Clearwater, Florida, to Lafayette, Louisiana. We arrived in Lafayette at about like 6.30 in the morning. And we started working at 7 a.m. that morning. And we worked a 12-hour day. We go, uh, we go back to the hotel, we rest that night. That next morning, we started working again at seven. We took a short lunch break and a short dinner break. And then the foreman said, we're just gonna push on through the night. We're just going to keep on working until this job is done. And I remember at about, it was about 3 or 4 a.m. So we'd been working about 18 hours at this point. And we were in this, this big Coke plant. So I went to the break room in the Coke plant to, to get a Coke. And um, I grabbed my Coke. And they had these hard plastic booths, like what you would see in an old fast food restaurant. And I, I sit down, I'm drinking my Coke for a few minutes, and at some point, I must have, must have laid my head down. And about 10 minutes later, one of the Coke employees comes in, and I have fallen asleep in, in this workspace. I was just 
so tired. And when I think about that weariness, I think about how much I wanted to rest. But the problem that most of us deal with in this world is not so much a lack of physical rest. What I needed after that ended up being a 23 and a half hour day of work was I just needed a bed. I just needed a place to lay down and go to sleep. It was a pretty easy fix, but the weariness we so often experience in our lives isn't, can't be resolved with just a bed, with just a few hours of sleep. As exhausted as I was in that moment, the solution to my, my weariness was pretty easy. Spiritual tiredness is not so easy. When our souls are worn out by our laboring in this world, we need more than a bed. Our world is filled with people that are exhausted. And that exhaustion, it may have a physical component, but the more significant issue is spiritual. Today, we are going to focus on where we can find the spiritual rest we require. So if you would please turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read verses 25 through 30. Those verses will be projected on the screen behind me. It can be also found in the Pew Bible on page 766. That's Matthew chapter 11. Verses 25 through 30. Let's see. Okay. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I love these verses. So often this world feels like a burden. I want a break from it. For me, these verses, they are a source of hope. The pressure to do and to become a certain person is so extreme. There is rest from this world for our souls. Jesus Christ is that rest. He teaches Christians how to inhabit the rest he has called us into. This rest isn't a retreat from that, this world, although that is certainly called for at times. The rest of Jesus 
is bearing a yoke that we are meant to bear. We find spiritual rest in Jesus Christ through becoming what he created us to be. Our world is filled with heavy laden people. Feelings of weariness are not unique to our time. As long as people have been writing their thoughts down, there have been those who describe feelings of listlessness and exhaustion. Philosophers and poets describe what all feel to varying extents. Nietzsche wrote, I am really very, very tired of everything. More than tired. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow described this feeling more fully in the poem Weariness, writing, O oh, little feet that such long years must wander on through doubts and fears, must ache and bleed beneath your load. I, nearer to the wayside end, where toil shall cease and rest begin, am weary, thinking of your road. O oh, little hands that, weak or strong, have still to serve or rule so long, have still so long to give or ask, I, who so much with book and pen have toiled among my fellow men, am weary, thinking of your tasks. In the Bible, the author of Ecclesiastes, likely King Solomon, describes his own exhaustion. In chapter 1 of that book, he states, All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, the various efforts people make in this world are described as vanity. The word translated as vanity is the Hebrew word havel, which is the word for, for smoke or vapor. The author of Ecclesiastes describes us as people as growing weary because we are chasing after smoke and vapor. There are many words that describe the pervasive feeling of ambivalence that comes with life in our world. Fatigue, exhaustion, tiredness, listlessness, feebleness, and burnout. I like the French word ennui. Many think of this word as Describing an extreme boredom. Dictionary.com defines ennui as a feeling of utter weariness and discontent resulting from satiety or lack of interest. Boredom. The reason I appreciate the word is that the weariness so prevalent in our world is it's more than just boredom. It is the sense that our efforts lack real meaning or purpose. In today's verses, Jesus is describing a state of mind more than a physical state. The people he is speaking to 
They don't just need a nap. They need the restoration of their souls. And we are in the same position. The weariness that is so commonly felt is an inescapable consequence of living in a fallen world. The curse which results from sin hangs over every effort we make. Our efforts to build anything of substance are constantly eroded by the world we live in. The, the curse, it impedes our efforts at every turn. We must work through sweat and pain. Ultimately, we operate with the knowledge. Our individual efforts so often turn to nothing. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It is not just that the work we do is hard. It so often feels pointless. We all bear the burden of trying to make something eternal out of dust. In the past, groups of people were bound together by the delusion that they could make something lasting. They all just got on the same page. The Tower of Babel was a famous version of this. Empires that have arisen throughout history have all tried to make something that would last forever. The thought was that the shortcomings of individual people could be overcome by a collective effort. Every empire nonetheless returns to dust. The burden in our present society is to transcend this world individually. This is no less foolhardy than living life in service of a worldly empire. It is a lonelier way to go about life. The search for individual transcendence explains a lot about why people today are so tired. Our exhaustion is not primarily physical. None of us has to wake up when the rooster crows to, to milk the cows. Most of the time when we do get physically worn out is because we have chosen to do some sort of intense physical activity for fun or as a challenge. We go on a long bike ride, we play 18 holes of golf, or we garden all day. We wear down not under physical demands, but under the pressure of becoming. Becoming what? That is supposed to be for each person in our society to determine for themselves. What matters is not what you choose, but that what you choose is meaningful to you. Just determining how one should transcend is tiring. That's a, that's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. We are exhausted by the fact that however deeply we look within ourselves, true transcendence eludes us. Most have a sense they are falling short. No matter how much mental effort gets put in, it won't be enough. It can't be enough. 
The modern attempt at individual transcendence is an outworking of the original desire of Adam and Eve to be like God. However much effort we put in, we cannot be like God. The attempt is a fool's errand that leaves us weary to the depths of our souls. Jesus says to all who are weary, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What we cannot do for ourselves, Jesus will do for us. This is true not just of our salvation in an ultimate eternal sense, although it is certainly true of that. It is true of our experience in this world. Jesus is our rest. What people look for in themselves can only be found in Christ. He is the pathway to God in this world. Jesus alone transcends the world. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation." But take heart, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As a man, Jesus was able to do what none of the rest of us could because he is also God. Jesus promises to bring us into the rest that he has established for us. Next week, we are going to talk about what this rest means in an eternal sense. In the meantime, the rest Jesus describes is something that we can inhabit here and now in this world. It is available to us. As we talked about two weeks ago, this is part of why the practice of keeping the Sabbath is important. Dedicating time to rest in the Lord is an intentional embrace of the rest Jesus has made available to us in himself. Unfortunately, we still often respond to the messages of this world that are telling us that we need to become our authentic selves. We easily fall into the lie of believing that transcendence is available If we just strive a little more. Resting intentionally is not just a break from the grind of this world. It is an intentional embrace of the rest Jesus has made available to us. Before moving on, we should take a minute to make sure everyone understands the qualifications necessary. To rest in Jesus Christ. What do you need to do? There is only one demand. You must come. Jesus demands nothing else. He doesn't say, come all of those who have proven their value. 
There is no mention of paying an admission fee. The rest of Jesus is not an all-inclusive resort. You don't need to book ahead or contact an agent. All that is necessary for a person to enter Jesus' rest is that they come. Jesus' rest is not earned, it is given. There is no quid pro quo. The only thing we bring with us is our exhaustion with the world. This is why it is hard for people who are succeeding by the world's standards to become Christians. The rest of Jesus doesn't have the appeal for them that it does for those that are worn down by their pursuits. Those who come to Christ are those who recognize the bankruptcy of the world. If you are tired of the demands of this world, that is actually a good sign. It means you are closer to Christ. What you need to do is lay aside your burdens and embrace your rest in the Lord. Resting in Jesus is not a completely passive activity. In verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Reading this verse subsequent to the verses that precede it sounds like a bit of a bait and switch. Jesus has promised rest. Now he is saying, take my yoke upon you. A, wo- a yoke is a wooden rack placed over the back and neck area of an ox. This yoke is then connected to a plow. Understandably, a, a yoke probably doesn't sound like a restful experience to you. I have never, not once, thought to myself, you know what, I'm I'm so tired. I'm going to go get a wooden rack and place it upon my shoulders because I really think these oxen, they look like they're resting. That sounds like the opposite of rest. That sounds like hard labor. The yoke mentioned in this verse, it's not a normal yoke. It is the yoke of Jesus. We are supposed to think of a yoke as being a negative. This is not one of those times where we understand Jesus' words differently from what the original hearers would have. They would have had all the normal associations with a yoke that we have. If anything, they would have been more repulsed. They dealt with oxen routinely. They didn't envy these beasts of burden. Jesus takes a negative and he makes it into a positive. He isn't just saying, take a yoke upon you. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. 
The difference is that Jesus' yoke is not like any worldly burden. It is tied to who he is. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. That makes all the difference. He knows our needs. Jesus is not placing a burden on Christians to capitalize on our labor. He is doing so for our own well-being. The rest every soul needs is not separate from the yoke of Christ. It is found in the yoke of Christ. What does that mean for you individually? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Jesus. I might have some ideas, but I am not your Lord. Nobody else is either. Jesus may work through people, but no person can replace a personal relationship with Christ. Think about how they used to make yokes back in Jesus' day. They didn't go to the yoke store, okay? They made them by hand for the oxen and adjusted them to fit the ox that was going to use it. The yoke of Jesus is designed by Jesus to fit the individual. It is not universally sized, it is unique to every person. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden placed on us by Christ is not a burden. In doing what we were made to do, we find rest. Resting in the yoke of Christ, it requires learning from him and we need to be intentional learners. The idea that rest is purely something that Jesus bestows on Christians isn't quite right. Jesus bestows the potential. He ensures the eternal reality. But in between the initial bestowal and the eternal outcome, we are learning how to rest in Christ. That is what we are doing in this world. Jesus teaches us how to live into him, our rest through his yoke. He knows the rest we need better than we know it for ourselves. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus actively teaches us how to rest in him if we will listen. When a person says they need rest, they're typically describing a physical state. All those years ago at that Coke plant in Lafayette, Louisiana, I desperately needed physical rest. While the need for physical rest is an issue for some in our society today, it is not the type of rest most people need the most. We need spiritual rest. Our world is filled with heavy laden people. The pressure for each person to live out their own authentic identity that they themselves discover and actualize is immense. Nobody is actually up to the task, although some people have experienced enough worldly success, they remain convinced 
You just need to push. Just push a little harder. Jesus says to all who are weary, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He promises rest in him. He teaches us how to rest in him. The rest of Christ, it's not a physical rest, it's the rest that comes with a personal peace of being who God created us and called us to be. It is a product of finding our identity in Jesus Christ, our Lord, through Jesus. You will find rest for your souls. This rest can be found nowhere else, for Jesus Christ is our rest. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are our rest. That you have overcome this world with, with all its demands, with all its expectations, Lord. And that you have provided for us the rest that we could not find or create or establish for ourselves, Lord. Thank you and I praise you for that. I, I pray that for any in this room who, who don't know you at all, that they would find their rest in you. And for those of us that do have a relationship with you but are struggling to live out that rest, Lord, I pray that we would just learn how to live out the yoke that you have placed upon us, Lord. That we would stop pulling against it and would pull with it as you have instructed us. We thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to find our rest in you and pray that we would do so in our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.